Amen. I appreciate these ladies in high school here at our academy, and what a good job singing. I appreciate that. Take your Bibles and turn tonight to the book of Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, and I want you to get your Bibles. Everybody get a Bible, and we're going to look at more than one passage of Scripture, and I want you to listen to me on purpose uh, for the first 10, 12 minutes, and I'll keep your attention after that. But I want you to uh, listen uh, as I lay the foundation from uh, the Scripture. I'd like for everybody to get in. If you're in the foyer, come right on in. I want to ask that nobody go out now while I'm preaching. Unless it is an absolute emergency, you have to go. If you have a cell phone, put it away. And I don't want anything to get your attention uh, from uh, the preaching. Uh, as you've noticed uh, in the conference, we've had all Bible preaching. I like preaching from the Word of God. Uh, I, I, I like stories and I like illustrations. I like that. But can I tell you something? America will not be changed with chicken soup for the soul. America needs a good dose of the King James Bible, not just in preaching, but in daily reading. I can stir your emotion, I can make you laugh, I can make you cry, but your emotion of laughing and crying won't last until you get home. But I'll tell you what, you get on fire with that book right there and the world can't put it out. Are you listening to me tonight? Stand with me, if you will, as we read from the book of Hebrews to begin with. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 1. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the, of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Let me pause just a minute, and the Bible tells us that the only religion that has a representative in heaven is Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the minister of the true tabernacle in heaven. Can I tell you something tonight? Jesus is my high priest. I believe that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, contrary to what John MacArthur has to say about the blood of Christ that uh, fell from his uh, body and stayed in the ground, I don't believe that. I believe Jesus himself, the high priest, took that blood and he took it to the tabernacle. He took it to the mercy seat in heaven. And I'm saved tonight, but not because of who I am or what I've done. I'm saved tonight because my sins are covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 5, the Bible says, "...who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount." Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. I'm preaching tonight from a brand, a brand new Bible. Uh, this is a King James Bible, and it is a Thompson Chain reference Bible. I've signed it, marked it, uh, 
the National Young Fundamentalist Conference 2013. They're going to give this away to someone tomorrow, and I'm using it tonight in this message, Exodus 31, verse number 18. We're going to pray, be seated, and then I'll read this verse. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of the Word of God. Thank you for the great sermon, Lord, that's been lived uh, for some 40 years. And, Lord, thank you for the testimony of how that you care, Lord, for your servants. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We ask now that you'd bless in this closing message. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says in Exodus 31 and verse number 18, And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. I want to preach tonight on this subject. What else did Moses get on Mount Sinai? What else did Moses get on Mount Sinai? If you ask the average American tonight what happened when Moses went on Mount Sinai and he met with God, what did Moses get from God? Probably 90% of Americans would say that's when he got the Ten Commandments, and that's right. And uh, Hollywood has uh, 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 made movies about the Ten Commandments and all of that. And I've never, I've never watched that movie, but I have uh, read the original manuscript about what happened and uh, when God met Moses on the mountain. Now, the Ten Commandments are very important. Uh, the Ten Commandments served as a foundation uh, for the behavior of the nation of Israel. Uh, the Ten Commandments have served as uh, uh, the foundation of Judeo-Christian principles that America uh, was founded upon. These have had a prominent part in America's history and heritage and culture uh, for all of these days. And the truth is, we need a revival of returning not only to the displaying of the Ten Commandments, but the declaring of the Ten Commandments and the demonstrating of the Ten Commandments in our lives and in our culture. But it is the other thing that Moses received that I want to point our attention to this evening. For you see, Moses not only received the Ten Commandments when he went uh, on Mount Sinai to meet with God, he also received, don't miss it, he received a pattern for the construction of an earthly tabernacle to be built on earth. Now, I want you to understand that because I'm laying the foundation for the message. I want you to keep listening on purpose. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Exodus in chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. While you're turning, I'll say this. God uh, met with Moses and God asked for the meeting. Uh, Moses was there six days before God spoke. And there's a message there. Sometimes we leave the prayer closet before God ever gets there. Uh, you have to be patient and wait uh, and the will of God and, and uh, don't be quick to make mistakes because you're tired of waiting on God. And so Moses waited and God gave him the Ten Commandments. But he also gave him 
a pattern and he told him, I want you to follow this blueprint, this pattern, and I want you to build a tabernacle on the earth. He said to him in Matthew or in Exodus chapter 25, and the Lord said unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. He went through a list of things that he wanted them to bring, gold and silver and brass and uh, blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, goat's hair, uh, rams that skins dyed red, badger skins. Notice, if you will, in verse number 9, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now, hear me well. God said, Moses, I want you to construct a tabernacle on the earth. And the reason is... I love my people and I want to fellowship with my people. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to build a tabernacle and I'm going to come down and dwell at that tabernacle. And when the people see the fire on the tabernacle, they're going to worship me in their tents. And they're also going to worship me at the tabernacle. Moses, I want you to build this and let me say tonight, God wants to fellowship with you. I don't know about you, but that's impressive to me to think that the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator and sustainer, the savior of mankind, God wants to meet with me. That impressed me as a young teenager. I took my first uh, a Schofield Bible as a teenager and I, I realized that God wanted to meet with me and I went to a place in the a mountain there behind our house and every day I would read the Word of God every day because I believe that God wants to meet with and wants to fellowship with his people. We find that in Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. Now, stay with me. God said, Moses, I want to show you a pattern. And it is if as God said to Moses on the mountain, I'm going to pull back the curtain of heaven. I want you to see the tabernacle that's in heaven that I built. And what I want you to do, I want you to build a tabernacle just like this tabernacle on the earth. Here's how I want you to build it. Uh, he didn't ask Moses his opinion. He didn't ask Moses what colors he liked. He didn't ask Moses uh, how big he wanted the tabernacle or how small. He said, I already have one in heaven, and I want you to build a tabernacle just like this on the earth. Now, as he gave him that blueprint, it was detailed. It was precise. It was particular. It was defined. And the Bible says that God told Moses, I want you to construct this tabernacle. Let me read to you again the first few verses that we read when we began the message from Hebrews chapter 8. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, 
a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. The Bible said these things serve as a shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern to thee in the mount. Now, the tabernacle was an amazing structure. It was amazing just how they put it together. The tabernacle was a moving temple, and they moved that tabernacle through the wilderness. And, of course, later Solomon built the temple, and it was after the pattern and the structure of the tabernacle. Another temple was built later, and these were a pattern of the tabernacle in heaven. I'll not go into great detail, but when you walked in uh, to that tabernacle outer court, uh, you found an altar. And past that, you found a brazen laver. Uh, inside the holy place, you found the golden candlestick and the table of showbread and the altar of incense. And then there was the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the mercy seat was. That's where the fire of God came down and rested above. And it let the people of God know God is there and God wants to fellowship with us. Now, that's the introduction. I want you to hear as I now begin to make the message application. You may be surprised by this. Don't miss it. Hey, boys, sit up up here in the front row. Sit up. Sit up. I want you to listen to me. Preaching to you. You may be surprised by this, but the truth is God has a pattern or a plan in heaven for everything and everyone on this earth that we need to know about and we need to follow. Stay with me. Jesus, when he was teaching them to pray and how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he said this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I believe from that passage of Scripture, I'm not supposed to be copying the world. I don't need to bring more of the world. I need to be bringing heaven to earth. I will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In our city, we have Mexican restaurants. Now, I've been in Mexico, and I've eaten in the Mexican restaurants there. And you can tell he's eaten in a few, and a few too many. And uh, 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 But uh, uh, what they have done in those Mexican restaurants, some of them you go in, they got the round sombrero hats on, and uh, they've got the paintings and the decorations. You know what they've done? They brought Mexico uh, from Mexico to America. Uh, we have Chinese restaurants, and uh, they brought a bit of the Chinese culture and the Chinese decoration, uh, even the Chinese music. They'll play that in that Chinese restaurant. Now, I believe that's what my job is. I believe that's what your job is, to bring the will of God from heaven to earth. He said, I don't want your will to be done. I want my will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. Moses, I want to show you something. Do you see the tabernacle? That's the tabernacle I built. 
I'm the high priest of the tabernacle. I want you to build a replica. I want you to build a model. I want you to build one just like it on the earth as I instruct you because I want to fellowship with my people. I'm to pray, Lord, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I believe this about the Bible. I believe I have a copy, a perfect copy, inspired and preserved of the book, but the original is not some mystic book that that men talk about, but it's already settled in heaven. I believe that. I believe the Word of God is eternal. I believe it always has been. I believe it always will be. I believe the written Word and the living Word are in heaven, and I have a copy of what is in heaven. Further, God has a plan for salvation. One plan. Not two, not three, not four. Uh, Thomas said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and we, not, uh, we don't know the way. Uh, Jesus said, uh, saith unto him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. God has a plan for salvation. He doesn't have two plans. He didn't tell me to make a plan. He said, I already have a plan. It's in my book. You have to realize you're a sinner. And there's a wage for sin. And the wages of sin is death. Realize that I gave my son to die on the cross of Calvary to pay for sin. And by grace through faith you can have eternal life. That's God's plan. It's not my business to write God's plan. It's my business to preach the plan that God's already written. Now, here's what I said. I believe God has a plan. I believe God has a pattern. I believe God has a will for everything in heaven. And it's my job to read this Bible and to study this Bible and to look at the blueprint and the blueprint for church. It's in the book. I don't need to go to Nashville and find some uh, uh, wiggle hip to come in, some long-haired rock and roll band. Uh, a church is not to satisfy the flesh, friend. Uh, uh, the flesh profiteth nothing. Uh, a church is to uh, preach the truth of the Word of God that the flesh may be crucified and the Spirit may live within me. I'm not interested in copying the Rick Warren crowd who went to the Nashville crowd, who went to the rock and roll crowd. I don't need that. I already have a pattern. God didn't say, Moses, do you think I need a tabernacle? He said, Moses, I want a tabernacle. He didn't say, Moses, how wide, how long, how big? Would you ask your wife what color she likes? He didn't say that. He didn't say, Moses, are you a builder? He wasn't. Wasn't his trade. Didn't ask that. He just said, I want, do you see this, Moses? Do you see this tabernacle? I want you to build one just like it. I believe that everything in this life has a pattern. I believe God has a will. God has a plan. One of the most amazing things in my life as a teenager was to realize God had a plan for my life. Oh, what a relief that was. I didn't have to guess and hope. I only had one life to live. I didn't want to waste it. I didn't have to uh, hope that I came up with the right plan. God already had a plan. It was my job just to know it and do the will of God. I contend tonight that I have no right to run or govern or control my life. 
I don't believe tonight you have the right to run or govern or control your life. I don't believe that. God made me a free moral agent. He gave me the ability and responsibility to make the decision, but the decision I ought to make is say, God, what is your will? What is your plan? What is your pattern? And I want to do exactly what you want me to do. Do you know why we have so much anxiety and so much stress and so many murders and so many suicides in our world today? Because folks are trying to make things fit that don't fit and there is no happiness in the pursuit of happiness. There's happiness in the pursuit of the will of God. You understand an enduring freedom. We lost 313 soldiers fighting in the battle called enduring freedom. But do you understand last year we had 335 soldiers to take their own lives in suicide. All 335 that took their lives were on antidepressants. You know what they're saying? I'm discouraged. I don't like life. I don't enjoy life. There's nothing to live for. And I'll tell you why folks go to that conclusion. It's because they haven't yielded to the plan of God. They haven't yielded to the pattern of God. They haven't yielded to the will of God. You say, well, I don't know if I'd be happy. Well, ask the world tonight how happy they are. Sit in my office and listen to the cries of those that followed their own plans. Some of you here tonight, you live with a broken heart because of a broken family, because of a mom or a dad or both that didn't yield to the will of God and God's plan. And you don't have a home of happiness and joy. You can have one and you ought to decide tonight, I want a happy family and a happy life and I'm going to have it because I'm going to give my life to do the will of God and follow the plan and the pattern. Get your Bibles back out. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Are you still with me tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. A church that was out of order. The sign on the door in the front of Corinth didn't say welcome. It said out of order. Like a vending machine that didn't work. And do you know why? They sought their own will, their own plan, their own pattern, rather than yielding to the plan of God. Notice the question Paul asked in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple? I wonder why God would use that word. God could use any word he wanted to. Well, can I tell you, when you come to the New Testament and past Acts chapter 2, God no longer dwelt on the tabernacle or the temple, but the Holy Spirit came inside of my body and your body to live. When we got saved, we became a temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, as I understand the building of the tabernacle and the temple, Moses didn't give his opinion one time on how it should be built. Solomon had one fear, one worry. And the fear was that God would not come 
and all of the gold and silver and everything he'd been instructed to put in it, the thing that he begged for. And Second Chronicles chapter 6 and 7 was that God would come in his power and presence, and he did come. And can I tell you something? Uh, from the days of Acts chapter 2 and forward, uh, that our bodies are the temple and the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. And he asked, which is in you? And he asked the question, which you have of God? And ye are not your own. The biggest lie of this day of 2013 is your body belongs to you and you can do what you want. Your body doesn't belong to you. Your body doesn't belong to you. God created you, first of all. And when sin had separated us from God, He so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not only did He create us, but God redeemed us because He loves us. I don't belong to me. I belong to Him. You don't belong to you. You belong to God. Every time you hear the news media or this liberal crowd say, well, it's a woman's right to choose. It's not a woman's right to choose. It's God's right to choose. God's the one that gave you life and He's the one that gave you breath to breathe. Take your Bibles and go to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says this, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened. Why? Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up in life. What's he saying? He's saying this tabernacle is just temporary. Can I tell you something? The tabernacle Moses built was temporary. The real tabernacle was in heaven. The temple constructed by Moses, it was temporary. Uh, the uh, a temple that was uh, reconstructed after the preaching of Haggai, uh, that was temporary. And this body is uh, temporary. And he said right here, he calls my body a temple in 1 Corinthians 6. He calls my body a tabernacle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm telling you, you and I belong to God. And it's our responsibility to follow the pattern and to follow the plan. It's not our business to decide what to do. It's God's business to decide. Let me give you some statements and I'll finish. Life fits together when we follow the master plan. Our world's confused today. Family's confused. Education's confused. We're even confused in sexual orientation. How in the world to ever mess this up? You have to go to college five years or ten years to get that done. First Corinthians four fourteen thirty three. For God's not the author of confusion, but of peace. He doesn't give the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you live your life according to the master plan, it fits together. Amen. Let me say number two: life has more happiness and joy when we follow the master plan. Circumstances don't determine your happiness. Obedience to the master plan—that's what determines happiness. 
Circumstances can be good. Circumstances can be bad. Circumstances do not determine as he just preached. Circumstances do not determine my happiness. I know folks that have lived in multi-million dollar mansions and they've said to me, I'd give anything if I could have the happiness preacher that you have. But friend, the reason they don't have it is because they're looking for happiness in the things of the world. Happiness and joy comes when we follow the master plan. I'm going to say number three, life has peace when you follow the master plan. We've got a lot of folks disturbed today in mind and body and soul, disturbed. We have more, we have a higher percentage of Americans on antidepressant pills and pills of all kinds than we've ever had before. Sometimes I wonder in counseling if I'm counseling with a pill or a person. And I want to tell you something. You live outside the plan. You go ahead and buy into this. Your body belongs to yourself. You can do what you want to do. And you will not have peace. Did you hear me? You will not have peace. You will not have joy. You will not have happiness. And don't you mistake a moment of pleasure for joy. Don't you mistake pleasure for happiness. Pleasure just for a little while. And then it's gone and there's a price to pay. Oh, but friend, you listen to me. If you follow the master plan, then you'll have peace in your life. I want to say number four, life has purpose and meaning when we follow the master plan. Can you imagine a group of folks coming by and saying, what's that group of, what's that pile of red dyed badger skins doing there? I don't think the ladies will like those hanging on the wall. But they had a place. Look at me now. Hey, hey, look at me. Some of you have in your home a wall. And on that wall is maybe some military decorations or medals that have been earned and won by a father, a grandfather, or an uncle. I'm thinking of a home, of a family in our church. Visiting the home, I saw a picture on the wall of a very sharp marine in his 20s. And beside that were medals. And, and I mean just beautiful plaques. Those didn't mean anything to me. I had to ask what they were. And when I did, tears immediately came to the eyes of the father. And the mother and mama said, That's our Marine son. He got killed in Vietnam. Preacher, it's hard to see when America walks on the liberty and freedom knowing that my son gave his life for our freedom. You see, preacher, this medal right here, and they began to tell the stories. Walk with me into the tabernacle, if you will. What are these red-dyed badger skins? Oh, you understand, these represent that one day... There'll be a spotless lamb. We won't make sacrifices in the temple anymore. But Jesus himself will come. And he'll die on the cross. And after he dies, they'll put him in the grave. And after three days, he'll raise from the grave. That represents Christ's payment for our sin. Oh no, there was nothing extra left over, not needed in the tabernacle. And you understand, life has purpose and meaning when you submit to the master plan. Let me say, last of all, life can be explained 
when we live by the pattern. Life can be explained when we live by the pattern. I was reading recently about David Brainerd, a burning desire to reach the American Indian in his day. But he didn't have any success. And he spent some time, he couldn't, he couldn't get them to listen or to understand or receive Christ as Savior, so caught up in their spiritualism. One day, David Brainerd wrote, he said, I wish my life were gone. I, I, I wish I were dead. I, my, my life is a failure. But he continued to go. He continued to work. He then began to win a few and after about 150 or so Native Americans trusted Christ as Savior at the age of 29, David Brainerd, his health failed and he died. Some may have looked at his life and said he didn't accomplish a whole lot. What a waste. God, I don't understand. But in the days of David Brainerd's work and life given to the ministry of God, he kept a diary. William Carey is a missionary that we know about because why he was successful. Referred to often as the father of modern missions and multiplied millions have come to Christ as Savior because of the life ministry of William Carey. Mr. Carey, what caused you to give your life to missions? I read the diaries of David Brainerd. You see, life doesn't make any sense outside of the plan of God. But you get in the pattern and the plan. I may not understand or explain it now, but I know I'm going to understand it. I'm going to be able to explain it. I just wait, and God shows me in His master plan. You and I don't have a right. In fact, you want to mess your life up? I'll do what I want to do. The funniest thing I've ever heard is a teenager come to my office and say, Preacher, I'm tired of being told what to do and all these rules and all this. I joined the Marines. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to Revelation 21 and I'm finished. You want to be happy? Study the plan. Study the pattern. God has a pattern for everything. Revelation 21, verse number 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God shall be with them and be their God. My purpose in life is to say, Lord, what will thou have me to do? You say, can you be happy that way? Oh, yes. Look, everybody has a tough time. Why not have a tough time doing right? God has a plan. Follow the plan. Stand with me if you will.